0: Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit OutreachChurch.net for downloads and service information. There's a reason we talk about the love of God so much. The Bible says this. The Bible says that you didn't love God first. That he first loved you. And I don't know about you, but growing up little... I never heard a gospel that made his love so plain and so clear that I could see his first love. I was always confused by the cross. Me, personally. You might have been, too. I always wondered why he could love me, how he could love me. I, I would always question the love of God. I believed in Jesus as a little guy growing up and vacation Bible school in summer. That, that stuff, you yeah, the vacation Bible school in the summer, and, and mom would take me to church. And, but he was, it was always Jesus died on the cross because I'm a sinner and he wants me in heaven someday. And he wants to forgive me, and, and it it never changed my life. It just left me a forgiven sinner, and I could never understand God's love for me. And I and I I used to say, why would He love me? Why does He care? Because I had other things in my heart, and I'd make more mistakes, and I had young man stuff growing up and rising up in me as I was getting older. And 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 then, and the older I got, the farther I felt from this truth over here that that. And I don't know about you, but I was confused by the way I heard the gospel. I I had more questions than I ever had even close to an answer. Does anybody relate to what I'm saying? Did anybody wonder why God loved them so much or how could God love me? Especially folks that have been around for a little while and grew up in church. The younger generation, you guys are coming into a revelation that actually wasn't on the earth when I was young. It wasn't on the earth. There was the the, the stuff that I get traveling and preaching and stuff. I, I was 33 when I got saved. The Lord taught me these precepts in my bedroom. I had never heard anybody preach this stuff. And I came out and started preaching and people were like, well, and then I realized there's people all around getting a revelation. It wasn't that I, you know, there's other people around, but they weren't in my sphere of influence. They weren't around me. But I know this from the time I was born growing up and I, I went to church a lot and mom mixed it up and took us other places to keep us from getting bored or whatever. And by the time I was 33, I had never understood God's love for me. And the way Holy Spirit taught me the revelation changed my life forever. I mean, I love him because I see he first love me. And here's the deal. We just sang that song, Reckless Love. It's, it's so powerful. And then you guys close with God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. Do you understand that people will sit in a service and will sing God is good over and over. And they can't enter in because they question his goodness because they weigh his goodness based on life. The way is goodness based on life. So this self-centered thing that we all grew up in, we still think God owes us something. Things have to go a certain way, and if they don't, he's in question. It's actually pride. It's arrogance. It's the clay assuming on the potter. It's the clay trying to condition the potter to get the potter to serve it. Yeah? Come on. There is people that go to church that deep in their heart are angry with God. If you're angry with God, you'll never see his first love, so you'll never love him. You'll never have intimacy with him. You'll never get pregnant. You'll never reproduce anything through your relationship because you won't have one. <gasps> I'm just seeing too many people frustrated at God because of life. He's the giver of life, and he puts you here for a purpose. So if we're getting frustrated, we might be missing why we're here. We might have a wrong understanding of why he's good in his love. See, on your darkest day, he never lost sight of why you're here. Love has never failed. Like on your most wolf adventure, even when you're sitting there mad at God, he absolutely loves you and knows you're more than what you understand in that moment. His love is so not self-seeking. That's why he's not frustrated with anybody. But, But I grew up with parents and people around teaching me that God was frustrated at me, that I just hurt God's heart, that God's mad at me. Anybody ever been taught that growing up? Well, God just saw that. You just made God mad. You just hurt God's heart. Yeah. Anybody hear phrases like that growing up? Yeah. No. Some people's parents use that to try to steer people to God, and it actually hurts people's hearts because it gives a wrong impression of him. He's not sitting there with steam coming out of his ears. Right. He's got the blood of Jesus crying out and speaking out better things. He's so good that while we were yet sinners, he sent his son. That doesn't sound like a frustrated God to me. It says, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say, for God was so exasperated, frustrated, and at wit's end with humanity, he finally sent his son. It's amazing. He loves us. He loves us because he knows what he created us to be. There's a time to be born, Ecclesiastes says. That's why it's so free. The gospel is so freeing. It's so good to be alive and understanding because when I look out of this room, when I travel through airports, when I'm in life, everyday life, everybody I'm seeing, there's people everywhere. There's a time to be born and they're right in front of you. And it's all from God. He's the author and giver of life. There's not an accident on the planet. Like everybody has value. Everybody like has purpose. Everybody has meaning. You go into Walmart. There's price checks and barcodes, and there's product everywhere. And you're like, "How much is this?" And they got a, it's this much. And they can find it all because they have their little scanners and screens. But see, in the store of humanity, like in this room, everybody has the same price tag. That means everybody has the same exact value. Now we don't grow up believing that. We're trying to fit in. We're trying to be liked, be accepted. There's hot shots. There's low life. There's people that are really popular. There's people that aren't. We grew up in such a lie. You can be in the church and still be living that lie and under that pressure, trying to perform, trying to get people to like you. Just an identity that's in shambles because you found yourself through life instead of the giver of it. And all of a sudden you're selling cheap and you're not even for sale. You've already been bought with a price. And all of a sudden you believe in lies and lies aren't producing life. It's the truth that makes you free. That's why some people don't feel free because they're not believing the truth through the cross. The cross says your life's worth living. The cross says you have value. The cross says, yes, you can. Yes, you are. The cross says, I love you. Yeah, it really does. And then we're going to let what somebody said matter more. And not live by faith. See, you have to live by faith. You have to learn that this is all a lie. It's not producing. We're not in a rat race anymore. We are not trying to survive. Watch this. We're not even trying to be okay. We believe. And that's why we shine. We wake up every day because of the gospel and already know who we are. We're not trying to figure it out still. Tom said it he said I didn't even like myself. There was times I was just love and I didn't even like myself. Man, that was me big time. I needed you to like me to feel likable. So I worked hard to get your approval and cause more trouble, usually too with <laughs> that. And then when you caused more trouble, you felt more insecure. And then when people didn't like you and you needed them to like you to believe you were likable, now you're really not likable. Come on, there's so much self-hate stuff. There's so much stuff that doesn't get spoken deep in the people's hearts, and in individuals' hearts. Even in church, they look in a mirror and they don't see what he sees. And that's a problem. They see what people have implied. They see what life has said. They see what they have done. They see what others have done. Man, you look at the wisdom of the world and the way of the world and the tone of the world, there is so much out there designed to identify you to mark you, to tell you who you are, to tell you what your future looks like, to just tell you where you fit. And then I look at the cross and I go, man, what a twist. What a perversion. There's so many people under pressure. There's so many people under pressure just trying to fit in, just wishing they had a couple good friends, just wondering who they can trust. See, it's all self-serving. It's all coming to you instead of coming out of you. And that's where the gospel changes things. It's not what you can get from anybody. It's what you become and give. That's always what it is. It's always what it is. It's more blessed to give. Yay. (laughs) See, I get flaky when I preach this stuff because I live this way. (laughs) And it's made me truly happy for a long time people think you're out of your mind and I'm thinking I might be out of yours (laughs) I just might be out of yours see analytical is not a gift by the way people say well brother it takes me a while I'm just so analytical stop boasting in analytical it's not from heaven it's not a gift it has nothing to do with how you were created. Analytical came when Adam listened, and Eve, I mean, listened to another voice, and Adam followed her. Analytical came from the garden when a voice spoke contrary to truth, reasoned, rationalized, and she bought in. Human intellect, IQ, that's good. That's from God. Analytical, it's not a gift. I know why I'm saying this, because there's probably 10 people in this room that almost pride themselves in saying, well, I'm just very analytical. Analytical. Not a gift. Here's how I know. God never gave you the ability to think so deep and so long that you could talk yourself out of him or truth. God never gave you a gift to make something so simple, so complicated that you can't see it anymore. I promise you it's not a gift. Analytical is straight up human fallen man. Yeah? Man, I feel intense on that. Sorry, I'm not trying to be mean. I just want to kill analytical, not you. <laughs> I've had countless people tell me, well, brother, I'm just analytical. Stop, that's, don't compliment yourself in a wrong way. That's not a good compliment. That's like, that's not, a, that's not an identity to possess. No, I'm childlike and I'm simple and what he says, I believe. Hello? Unless you become like a little... He didn't say unless you become so analytical. <laughs> Actually, seminaries and Bible schools are walking on thin ice because they teach God gave you rationale, reason, reasoning ability, don't let anybody tread on it, don't let anybody. that's a gift from him. It's thin ice teaching that. Because people talk themselves in a jam, they got truth right in front of them, and they think about it so long that all of a sudden they're confused. Watch, how complex is this? You got God that became a man hanging on a cross who came as a man to pay the price for man to fulfill what man failed, to show you what life looks like, and then he said, follow me. And then the Bible says you find yourself in him, period. You're complete in him, period. He's the way, not a way. He's the truth, not a truth. He is the life. Pretty simple to me. Narrow is the way. (laughs) He's the author and the finisher. Yeah? He said, if you're burdened, if you're laboring, if you're heavy laden, come unto me. I'm going to give you rest. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He said, take of me, eat of me. Learn of me. He said, you have no other teacher. Don't let anyone be your teacher. You have one teacher, he's the Christ. That means everything I was learning in life apart from him isn't the whole truth, if it's any truth at all. Half-truth is more dangerous than than a lie anyway. Because if it's half-true, it's half-true, and you can't discern the lie. If it's a lie, you can blow it out of the water. But half-truth is very dangerous, and a lot of people live in half-truth. And I think Satan's a master at that stuff. He likes you to see a little bit, but then taint the rest. Yeah? You know, well, it's not so bad. Well, you know, we get in these half phrases. He says it's either light or dark. It's either God or it's not. You're either for me or you're against me. Your attitude either benefits the kingdom or gets in the way of the kingdom. <laughs> Jesus pretty straight shooter it's just good man I just love him he makes it so clear Paul said be careful Corinthians I'm concerned for you that like Eve was deceived by the serpent you too have been removed from the simplicity that's in Christ Man, it'd be just easy to get up here and say, Look, God loves you. He'd have never send his son. Our lives are so worth living. Let's just get on with it and stop letting other things matter more than what matters most. You're on the earth to shine, for the Spirit of God to live in you and love through you and be everything he's ever desired in you and through you. So be one with him, be close to him. Don't let anything else decide how you're doing or who you are. That would just be a good message every week and say, Break and go live your life. <laughs> Come on. Dad, we made it so we made it all about us and getting something from God and provision and breakthrough and my blessing and then we get topical and we just enjoy just studying and learning types and shadows and ooh and interesting look if it's not transforming my life <laughs> I want change he called me to have new life to put off the old man right? And his deeds put on the new man. So everything I'm learning and growing in, I want it to be putting on the new man. He's a perfect fit for me. Yeah. You put on the new man. Who's the new man? Colossians 3.10. He's renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who made him. I grew up and would have been told that was heresy in all the churches I grew up in because it separates us so much. The, the, the gospel that we tend to preach set, makes us so low to lift him so high and he told you to come up hither and he set you in heavenly places. Talking ourselves down isn't what exalts him. Getting lifted up through the blood and the power of the spirit and the working of grace and the mercy of God into what we are intended to be in the first place is what glorifies him and exalts him. You live in what you were never able to live, never able to live now that he's in you. You become in what you were never able to be without him in you. You're walking in love and showing mercy and making peace and guarding your heart and keeping your life in a healthy disposition so you're always an outshining light in the midst of stuff. Even when there's chaos and turmoil and injustice, you still shine. You still have a good grip. You're not throwing people away. You're not angry. You're not broken. You're not hurt. You're still clear because you didn't wake up for you. You woke up for his image and others. That's a healthy place. Then you're done being hurt and you're done being discouraged and you're done selling two months of your life just in confusion. And then saying, how did I get here? And rebounding. And then six months later, finding the two weeks you've been discouraged. And Well, brother, we process. Ah! <laughs> no, we believe. <laughs> we believe. Look, I'm not condemning you if you've processed, but it's your perspective that's allowing it to happen. Like, this is not the Christian life. It's not Mountain Valley. It's not, wow, I've been with the Lord and now I'm so filled and my cup is running over. So now I come down off the mountain into the valley where you all are. And then you drain me and draw on me and whine and cry and I have to endure and and barely hopefully make it back up to the mountain to get refueled. And then I got to come back down to the earth where you all live. That is the weirdest theology I've ever heard. And then run back up to the mountain. No, you live in him. You just live in him. You live by the spirit. And that's not a spooky thing. That simply means living by truth. Holy Spirit is the spirit of. The word of God is spirit and and life. Spirit and truth, right? So to live by the spirit is to live in. If you continue in his word, you'll know the tr- And the truth make you free. So freedom comes from the truth. And he's the truth. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I find myself through him. So is he good? Oh, my goodness, is he good. Well, if he was good, why was your mother sick for 40 years and why'd she die? If he wasn't good, why'd he send a son when I was a sinner? If he wasn't good, why'd he ever change his mind? Why'd he never change his mind about me? Well, if he was really good, brother, why'd your dad drink all the time and tell you nothing you never had a daddy growing up if he was good? If he wasn't good, why was there a position waiting for me to step into him and him into me and write eternal life for me in front of me and give me length of days and purpose in my life? Why would he, why would he do what he did if he wasn't good? Here's the trap. If the enemy and lies and rationale and analytical thinking can keep you quizzing God and questioning God and putting God on trial through the circumstances of life, you'll never get established in love. You'll never get rooted and grounded in love because faith works through love. You'll never live by faith. You'll just be driven by need. and Your heart will get harder because you'll have more need. And you will wonder where God's been all this time. And then every trial, will indict Tim more. And after a while, your heart gets so hard, you're sure he's not good, and you're sure that you're forsaken, and you're sure you're the black sheep. And, well, we might love everybody else, but he sure hasn't given me a fair shake. I've talked to a lot of people that actually think that way. Why am I talking like this? Because I feel you're in the room? No. So your heart never goes there. So you never let life sneak up on you. I'm not saying this stuff because you need to hear it. I'm saying it to protect you and guard you and keep yourself in the race and running well because time's short. Man, it is here today and gone tomorrow. I'm fifty-six, I don't even know what that means. That's like I mean, I was driving down here, it's an eight and a half hour drive. I was I was here, it seemed like I was here in no time. Just time's flying. Man, when I was a kid, eight and a half hours in a car, I'm thinking, eight and a half hours in a car. (laughs) I just get in the car, Jesus, you know, yay, I got my little worship plan. I'm just driving. I'm just looking around, see a little deer on the hills, and I enjoy everything, man. I'm just having fun. Next thing you know, I look at the clock, and it's like four hours went by. I'm like, what? Next thing you know, I'm heading into Greer. I'm like, whoa. Time's flying, man. I mean, yesterday was just here. <laughs> but here we are today, and tomorrow's just going to be, it's going to be here. Because like, we're like, man, I can't wait a weekend, you oh, know, yay. Yay finally got off work thank god it's friday next thing you know it's like monday and all of a sudden you can't even account for saturday and sunday you're just frustrated because it was going so quick and now you got to go back to work again now i got to go to the grindstone and earn a living and make a way please god come on it's like life is a gift so if you got a job and you've got to go to work and you pay bills great go to work and shine be a Christian. <laughs> Don't be young and say I got to do this for the rest of my life. No, no, no. You've got jobs in the wrong right thing. You're not going to work for the rest of your life. You shine for the rest of your life. And when you shine, work looks different. Yes, right. Hello, man. I worked in a warehouse. I lifted tons and tons a day with my body. Tons, tons. You have no idea. I was on a computer. I lifted tons. Ten. I'm not exaggerating. Ten, 12 tons was a normal night by hand, on skids for a whole night, 10 hours. And I had to do a certain amount. And I was lifting. Before I was saved, I hated it. It paid the bills. I was making a lot of money, actually, because it was Teamsters Union, and they're protecting the employee. I had the best benefits on the planet. I had pension paid and didn't appreciate any of it because I had a job. And I had to go to work. if you'd have totaled all them benefits up in hourly wage, it would have been ridiculous the hourly wage. But everybody sat in the lunchroom and complained because they were at the job. Zero thankfulness. Zero thankfulness. And then their body's breaking down. How long can you do a hardcore job like this? It's going to take a toll. I, didn't, I did it for 15 years. Thirteen years in is when I got saved. At thirteen years, I was so hurt, my body was so broke down. I was such a complainer, guys—a complainer. Let me just help you with something. If you complain, it's a dead giveaway. Life's all about you. Hello? Could you picture God complaining? Look at him today. I don't even know why I care. Michael, come here. I need to talk to you, Michael. I need—just put your hand on my shoulder because I need to feel it right now. I, 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 do I not do good, Michael? Do I not do good to the earth? But do they forsake me? I mean, did you hear the phrases? Do you hear how they use my name? They only use my name when they're frustrated. They say God damn all the time, and I haven't—I don't know anything I've damned. And <laughs> Jesus over here at the right hand says, Father, I know how you feel, because they say Jesus Christ, and they only say it when they're mad. <laughs> and they're just sending a picture on the earth that every time bad and hardship comes, it has to be our fault. We have to be at the root of it. We're responsible. Yeah, but all we ever did was good, son. All I ever did was send you. You were the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. I just want to, Gabriel, would you come put your hand on his shoulder? because I'm I'm just struggling today. Today's just a tough day. It's a tough day. 24 hours, you're going to have to understand that sometimes things take time and I'm just processing. I'm processing. Just trying to get a hold of my feelings. Isn't that weird? I'm trying to look weird doing it so you never do it in your life. Do you ever sit and spend an hour just feeling sorry for yourself? It's a miserable, lonely party. There's not even any candles to blow out. There's no presents. <laughs> You're just feeling sorry for yourself. It's lonely. It's hollow. It's empty. It's zero productive. Unless a seed dies and falls to the ground, it abides alone. It'll never reproduce a thing. But if it dies, falls to the ground and dies, it'll spring up. And then it'll bear much fruit. In this, the Father's well pleased, that you... Yes, you. Oh, it's possible, you. bear much fruit. See, this is where faith comes in. This is where you got to be a believer. This is where you individually have to shake off all the pressures and all the stuff and all the things that are trying to identify you and why you can't and the yell butts. This is where faith comes in. This is where you say, wait a minute, I'm being deceived. I got this gift called life. It's here today and gone tomorrow. I got this little window of life in a body. That I can live by the spirit. Or I can live by the flesh. It's my privilege. But God's called me to live it by the spirit. And faith says yes. Or I can live for myself. A little favor here. A little tit for tat there. in a little rightness. A little human reasoning. A little he said, she said. You know, hey everybody. Or you can die to all that stuff that's never produced anything good in our lives. The last thing you and I need is a right to not be like him. The last thing you and I need is an excuse to not be like him. The last thing you and I need is any justification of what we call wisdom, facts, to not be like him when he made us in his image. It's the only reason life is so tough for people, because we're living it outside of why we're here. I'm convinced of this. I am not a brilliant, bright man, but I've got some things down in my heart. I'm convinced of this. The biggest problem on the planet isn't politics, it's not ISIS, it's not racial conflict. The biggest problem on the planet is men waking up every day, living for themselves when they're made for his image. Being Christians for themselves. Going to church for themselves. It's proven that that motive's alive or there wouldn't be hurt and contention within churches. There wouldn't be splits and divisions. Well, I used to go to church. Well, I got hurt. Well, if you got hurt, there had to be some self-connotation there. You have to think for yourself to get hurt. So why feed the trend? Why not stand in the face of injustice and why not shine like Jesus did? Why not carry your cross and follow him instead of bolt and run? Yeah, but if that's what Christianity is. No, no, that isn't what Christianity is. It's human weakness. Why are you letting human weakness make you weak? Why are you coming up with a reason to not follow him? I'm not saying you're individually doing that. I'm saying don't ever do that. I'm just painting analogies to protect you on a Sunday morning to never buy into these lies. Why? Because the reason we gather, the reason we come isn't to qualify. We're already qualified. The reason we gather isn't to be accepted. We already are the reason we gather is to stay stirred up in love and good works. And all the things I'm talking about are the things designed to quench the flame and shut the light down in you. So all of a sudden you're just existing for a year, two, five, 12, and then you realize it and you get so condemned that it's another 10, 12, 15. Oh yeah, this stuff happens to people that have good hearts. And that's why it happens to people that have good hearts because the good heart then condemns them because they say, man, I didn't want to do that. Man, I'm so ashamed. Man, I let him down. And they actually care inside enough to be condemned, which proves that they're alive inside and their hearts are actually good. You can't condemn somebody that's nonchalant and doesn't care. You can only condemn people that are alive inside. But condemnation is always a lie. You wouldn't feel bad if you weren't okay inside. It's actually a good sign when people feel bad. You just don't cross the line into condemnation. You come over here into redemption. Yeah? People come cry. I can't believe what I did. And I'm thinking, boy, this is good. What, good that they did something wrong? No, good that they see it as something wrong. Because there was a time in their life they probably did it and didn't even blink. And now they care. They're alive. The gospel's working. Their conscience is coming alive. Their convictions are real. (laughs) Yay. And they cry, and they tell you the terrible thing they did, and they're broken. And you look at them, and you smile, and you're not making light of what they did. You'll deal with that in a minute, but you're making sure they don't let what they did become who they are so that what he did is always the real them because you'll never live from this place and be okay. And you just wrap your arm around them. You and say, you know, I'm so excited to hear how pure the, the gospel's making your heart. And they usually say, pure? What do you mean pure? They think you're being... Didn't you hear what I just said I did? See, they're weighing their value based on their actions instead of their value based on their potential, their purpose, their destiny, and his will. Your value is way bigger than how much you failed. Just ask Jesus. Just ask him. I think we already have the answer. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. So if we're blind and deceived, I guess the best way is to send the light of the world. Say, hey, got a higher destiny in me. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Live in my world. Live in my truth, because this isn't truth at all. Come out from among them and be ye separate, and I'll be a father unto you, and you'll be my people. Really? But I messed up a lot. Shh, come unto me. And all of a sudden, the goodness of God leads you to change. And all of a sudden, his first love ignites a love in you. And then you get this love thing going. And all of a sudden, you're looking through new eyes. And all of a sudden, you actually love people. Instead of bothered by them, get on my nerves, bother me, need to avoid her, him. Think people are weird. Come on, I've done it all. You've done it all. First impressions. Who you like, who you don't like. Come on, if God lived that way, we're toast. So it can't be right. It can't be his image. It had to be learned from the earth, not him. It just came through the fall of man. We were all homeschooled in the wrong home with wrong thoughts. We had wrong teaching our whole lives. And nobody even taught this stuff on purpose. It just came by instinct. You were selfish and I was selfish to the core from the time we were born. Because there was a perversion of your created value. Selfishness is the biggest enemy on the earth. It's the biggest enemy to the kingdom of God and to men's lives. And the Bible says don't ever live with an ounce of it, not even an ounce. I could show you in uh, James chapter 3 is a better place. James chapter 3. See, I was going to give you another one, and I got bombarded with James 3. The Lord's like, no, no, James 3. James 3, 13 is amazing. It says, who's wise and understanding among you? Just take note of the color of their hair. No, it says, who's wise and understanding among you? Let them prove by the good conduct of their life that their works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have envy or self-seeking in your heart, don't boast and lie against the truth. Don't appear to be something you haven't allowed grace to make you come. Deal with your heart. Get real with that selfish motive. If you have self-seeking in your heart, don't boast and lie against the truth. Don't ignore it. Don't call it normal. It's serious. It hinders the kingdom of God. It stops the progression of God's movement in our lives. He says this wisdom, self-centeredness, this wisdom, he calls it a form of wisdom. It never came from above. It did not descend from God. It's earthly, centrally driven, and demonically inspired. Totally out of bounds, contrary to the kingdom of God, self-centeredness. And yet we preach messages that serve us in the church without transforming us. And now we got selfish believers that are mad at God if things don't go their way. Well, I prayed. Well, I said everything I was supposed to say. This is, God's not a robot. You're not hitting a program. These aren't principles you're applying to get help. This is an introduction into covenant love and relationship where two become one. Where you have intimacy. (sighs) Yeah? Come on. I keep getting intense on that thing. There's somebody in here. I usually don't say this because I'm usually just preaching because I don't want us to go there. But I actually feel like there's a couple people in here. You've been struggling in your heart with God and you're mad at God and you're weighing God based on the circumstances of life. You will be deceived for the rest of your life if you don't change that. You do not let life have the power to question who he is. He said, I am that I am. His son is the revelation of who he is, not your circumstances. Guess what happened to John the Baptist? John the Baptist was a forerunner. He was the announcement of Jesus on the earth. Jesus said, he's the greatest prophet of them all. He's the best there is. And then he said, still, even the least of you are going to be greater than him. He did say that. Why? Because he had the Spirit of God upon him for a calling. You have the Spirit of God in you to shine. So you guess what happened to John? John gets touted pretty high by Jesus. That's a good way to get deceived in your identity, right? Whoo, greatest prophet of them all. There's nobody like me except for him. That's like makes me. Second alpha dog. Like, I'm not saying he did that, but I'm saying we could do that real easy, right? But guess what John did do? He's proclaiming Jesus. Jesus is proclaiming and announcing he's coming. He's opening prison doors. He's this, this, this. Guess what happens to John in the process? Herod seizes him, and guess what Herod does? Puts him in prison. Is there anyone at that time on the earth that had a greater revelation of Jesus being the Christ and the Son of God as John the Baptist? You name one person that had a better revelation than John. John was ministered to by the Lord f- from his mother's womb. Like when, G- when Mary and, 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 and his mama met, John leaped in his mom's belly as an infant. Leaped. Like, cousin, hey. <laughs> and he leaped. When he's born, Spirit of God in the wilderness ministers him and shows him all these things by revelation. And, and when Jesus is coming by the shore, he said, he's the one. I must in- decrease, he must increase, follow him. He's the lamb. He's taken away the sin of the world. He gets in the water he says, is it me supposed to baptize you? He says, permit it now for all, for all righteousness to be fulfilled so unrighteousness can be removed, right? And, and, and so that he can fulfill the law of righteousness. And he baptizes him. And when he comes out of the water, he said, this is he. For God showed me the one who the spirit of God would descend upon and remain is he. This is him. Follow him. Who knows? That's all John. Nobody had a revelation like John. But watch this. John gets in prison. Gets in prison. John's in prison. I know you heard that. I said it three times on purpose. Watch. Watch. He calls his disciples and said, go ask Jesus if he's the one or shall we look for another? His life got in opposition. His circumstances got in turmoil. And he asked a question that he already, already, already had the answer to. Why? Because his life was imposed. Well, if he's the one, why am I in prison? If I'm the forerunner, if I'm the voice crying out in the wilderness, if I'm the best prophet of all, why ain't I? Get deliverance. Why am, I, why am I in a prison? You go ask Jesus if he's the one or should we look for another? Isn't it amazing how circumstances got him to question what he absolutely already knew by spiritual revelation? Now, if that happened to John who had a spiritual revelation, how much more would it happen to good church folks that didn't ever have that level of revelation and are still deciding God through life? And then hearing messages that pertain to their blessing instead of their transformation. You be honest with me, 90, 95 plus percent of messages that are preached in the church benefit the hearer, not transform. That's not an accident. That's on purpose. It got slanted. It's deceptive. I'm not saying ministers do it on purpose. It's deception. It's to keep things alive in people that need to die if the kingdom's going to shine. It's to keep attitudes alive that are detrimental to the progress and advancement of his kingdom on the earth. I'm telling you, God is crying out from the rooftops. John the Baptist, it humbles me and sobers me that a man like John could weigh his natural life and ask a question that he already knew the answer to. So guess what Jesus said when they got to him? Hey. John sent us and wanted to know if you're the one. Are you really the one? Or should we look elsewhere? He said, you go back and tell John. The deaf are hearing, the blind are seeing. The poor are having the gospel preached to them. And blessed is the man who has no cause to be offended because of me. What is the man? Blessed is the man who doesn't stumble because of me and weigh his life and challenge and question me and stumble. Well, if God loves me, then how come? Well, if God's so good, then why? That's the part that needs to die if you're ever going to be humble enough to see his first love. God didn't orchestrate my former life, my past, my upbringing. That was the power of sin, trying to suck me in with it and take another generation. What God did was snatch me out of that Delivered me, cleansed and purified in my heart and kept me in a place of total forgiveness, not animosity. I don't have a yell, but brother, you don't know what it was like growing up. I have a wow, it's so good being in him because my life doesn't revolve around my history. My life revolves around him. Look, I could have had a dad or not had a dad, but I got a father from the beginning. He said, call no man on earth your father. You have one and he's in heaven. Why? So you don't limit, regulate or identify your life through natural means. And all of a sudden, this is your story. Now you've got to write a book about all your story, but your book doesn't benefit your life. It doesn't promote light. It just justifies your, your now. Be careful with that stuff. People are so identifying through their past that they're missing their present and things to come. Be careful. I know that's touchy, and I'm touching a little bit there. There's a lot of books being written, my story, but there's no strong transformation, glory to God, and this is our victory in Christ. It's just, this is what I've been through. Because through all the years of counseling and all the stuff, sometimes the highest grace we learn to receive is the fact that somebody cares because we never felt cared for. So we're trying to get somebody to care. It's the highest grace people receive sometimes is that somebody seems to care. And you got Jesus the whole time giving his life to give you life. Not to show you he cares, to give you life. Yay? So in all you're getting, get understanding. Don't be conformed to the world. It's ideas. It's perspectives. It's ways. But be transformed. By what? Renewing of your mind. You all good? Are you okay? Okay. I got to quit. Oh, wow. I'm glad I looked at my watch. Yeah. Hey, it's all zeros. So first I looked up there, all them zeros got my attention. I was supposed to stop 10 minutes ago. (laughs) Help! I told him I wouldn't blow nothing up. Oh, brother. I got to stop. I enjoyed preaching and stirring and inspiring you guys. Here's why we gather on Sunday morning. Not just because you like it here, not because it's fun, not because your friends are here. That's all good. That's all perks and benefits, and that really makes it nice. The number one reason we gather It's to stay in the race, stay focused, and stay stirred in love and good works because my life is to be lived this way. Why? Because I live it this way. And nobody on the planet truly has this and doesn't have this. So if you don't have this, it's because you really don't have this. Because it's impossible to, to have this and not have this. It all goes together. So, don't hide behind a confession. Don't let church attendance take the place of knowing him. Let knowing him change your life. Everybody has a right to him. Can I pray over you? I'm so late. I got to pray over you. We got to transition. Can we stand to our feet? And I'll just close out and pray over you guys. Thank you, God. He said, You know, you can go 10 minutes or so over in the second service. We just got to transition. Well, I did the 10 minute backward thing. So when we're done, you just knock each other over running out of here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You be relaxed. You love on each other. And everything's good. Father, we just love you. We thank you for a message. It's so amazing. It's intense. It's sobering. Puts diligence inside of me. It, it puts discipline back inside of me. It, it puts a sense of honor back inside of me. It makes me want to live in your realm and in your kingdom. When I look at the humility of who you are, Father, and I'm asking that all of us in this room would see this and just by faith say, yeah, you know what? This got to be true. That you would put your son on a cross to redeem the truth, to redeem life, to put yourself back in us. Man, this is a far cry from getting forgiven and going to heaven someday. This is getting the life back that we were created for, getting restored back to truth. Yeah. Thank you. You have called us out of darkness. You delivered us from the power of darkness and you've translated us into the kingdom, of the son of your love. So I thank you for that. And I ask for a grace to cover us. And I ask that that same diligence would be found in all of our hearts, that not one in this room, literally not one in this room would grow weary in well-doing. But the Lord God, we would keep our eyes fixed on this highest truth and live from this place, that you would be our foundation, that you would be our wellspring, that you would be our starting point. And Father, I just thank you that together we make up the amazing expression of who you are and all through this community, you're just spread out everywhere, just through our disposition and just through our lives being changed. I thank you. That is a big deal. It matters much and it will make a difference. Let us wrap faith around that truth and stay stirred in love and good works in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Love you guys. Bless you.